0: Okay, Chad, you're recording? I am recording. Okay, good morning to everyone in Australia and welcome uh, to our uh, session with uh, Glenn Proben, Executive Director of the Takata Task Force at the ACCC, and Natalie Attrill, Director of the Takata Task Force at the ACCC. So, Glenn and Natalie, welcome. Good morning.
1: Thanks, Chris. Good morning. Um, Thank
2: you, Chris.
0: Natalie, there you are. <laughs> and we've also got Chad Councilman. Chad, you're back in the US. For uh, uh, you, settled settling in in South Carolina, I believe.
3: Yep, that is correct. I, I'm relocated from Alabama to South Carolina in the last two days, and uh, I am setting up home here right now. Excellent, excellent.
0: Okay, so. The, let's start off with the purpose of this session. I think um, really, really important. We've got, and by the way, whoever's joining via Facebook, we've got our Facebook feeds going on our phones. So uh, please do send questions through on Facebook. We're getting more and more people joining via that medium. Um, Those that are going to be joining on the Zoom session, please uh, put questions in the chat on Zoom. And we're gonna try and get to as many of those questions, if not all of them as possible. Day. We're recording sessions. So if you've got questions um, that don't get attended to, don't worry. Um, we will try and attend to those later and we'll post the recording on the Auto Department Solutions um, website as well. So um, why are we here? We're here to talk about uh, the Takata recall. It um, the compulsory recall is finishing. And it, guys, if I do get any of this wrong technically um, from an C perspective, please jump in and correct that. But Uh, the Takata compulsory recall is finishing at the end of December Um, and a lot of recyclers have a lot of questions about you know what does that really mean to me as a recycler does it mean that it doesn't matter anymore or what does it mean so uh, we need to get as much information and try and share that information with the industry so that they uh, certainly understand what's happening and what it means to them but also what it means to the consumer And what it means from a manufacturer perspective and how we interact as an industry with the vehicle manufacturer. So can I hand over to you, um, one of you, and sort of if you can give us a bit of detail around, firstly, what does compulsory recall mean? And I know you're going to say, well, we're three years into it. It's probably a bit late to be asking that question, Chris. But let's ask that question because there are recalls every day and or every other day, whatever the case is. Very commonly, the recalls are, are announced. Um, but they're not compulsory, they're voluntary recalls, I believe. Um, so what's the difference between this compulsory recall with Takata and non-compulsory recalls? Natalie or Glenn, which, which one wants to take that question?
2: Um, look, I'm I'm happy to start. Um, look, I'd also just add in terms of um, the ACCC's role in relation to this compulsory recall is to to administer it and There are a range of different recalls, voluntary or compulsory, but in this instance, because of the particular safety risk associated with affected Qatar airbag inflators, the Minister um, made the decision to issue a compulsory recall and um, that related to not just the safety risk, but um, that one or more suppliers were not taking sufficient action. So that's why there's a difference between this particular recall and other recalls that are um, voluntary. And just in terms of the the point that you made in terms of the recall notice finishing um, at the end of December, I think um, probably what's important for, particularly for auto recyclers is that um, that particular 31 December deadline relates to replacement obligations that suppliers need to meet under the recall notice. After December 31, there's still ongoing obligations that continue until all affected airbags are accounted for. So hopefully that, that assists.
0: Okay, so from a, if I can just uh, spell that out from what I understood from that, is that the recall doesn't finish at the end of December. From an automotive recycler's perspective, they still have an obligation to make sure they're not selling recall components. Um, From a vehicle manufacturer perspective, they are still, uh, call it responsible or accountable to try and identify as many of those outstanding active Takata airbags as possible and either remove them from circulation or remove them from vehicles that are being driven out there at the minute.
2: Correct. So the recall notice uh, ends for um, participants when all affected airbags have um, 100% have been actually replaced outside of that there's still that ongoing obligation it's just that key milestone is meeting those replacement obligations by the end of December um, and there's a there's two components to it there's actual replacement and there's also deemed replacement which is the under section 53 of the recall notice which um you know, some businesses might be aware of um, and so that is where the recall notice recognises a deemed replacement obligation and that can apply <clears throat> where a consumer is unresponsive or uncontactable, despite the the fact that communication obligations have been complied with. It also applies to vehicles unregistered for two years or more scrapped, exported or stolen vehicles um, but notwithstanding this, suppliers still have that ongoing obligation to account for those inflators if they become aware that, um, you know, those inflators are um, perhaps in a spare parts recycler's um, yard, um, they have an obligation to retrieve it.
0: Okay. So just quickly on that 5.3, Natalie, I know we've had some discussions about that to try and understand that better. Um, the 5.3 uh, clause, um, if I can rephrase it a little bit, basically says that if a... In the context of, a, of recycling, if a um, if a vehicle has been unregistered for more than two years, um, the vehicle manufacturer cannot close that recall if they haven't accounted for that airbag, but uh, for the purpose of the notice, the compulsory recall notice from the ACCC, they can mark that off as sort of dealt with but still active. Is that right?
2: Uh, yeah look I mean broadly that's right. So it's considered deemed replacement under the notice so they can mark it off as deemed replacement, but they nevertheless nevertheless have that ongoing obligation to still account for it um, and and retrieve it because it's still obviously it, it, it could be in the market, it could resurface. and so that's that's why the obligations don't end there.
0: And that's a really critical thing. I think in the context of, of the automotive recycling industry, that's really, really critical a critical point um, because a lot of recyclers, um, you know, the reality is they've got vehicles that have been in their yard for a long time. Uh, we're finding at all our recalls, we're finding airbags that have been sitting in inventory um, either destroyed or finding whether they're physical airbags or airbags that they have been in control of at some point in time because they've Um, dismantled that vehicle, sometimes 10 or 15 years ago. Um, Now, if they've still got that airbag in stock, yes, it's greater than two years since the vehicle was registered. So the manufacturer can actually make a point that, you know, they've dealt with that uh, to a point, but it still remains active. So as a recycler... Uh, I think the message there, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the message there to the automotive recycling industry is that because of the nature of your business uh, in the automotive recycling game, where you harvest products off a vehicle and you potentially put them on a shelf or whatever the case, you may leave them on the car. Sometimes these products become recalled at any point in time in the future. And as a result, um, they could uh, be harvested and then resold to... Um, to an unknowing consumer. So that's critical we, di- we deal with that issue.
2: Yeah, okay. um, yep. that's, that's absolutely right. And I just add to that that. Um, That spare parts and auto recycler businesses have their own obligations under the recall notice to use their best endeavours to identify whether or not they have an affected Carter airbag inflator. And what that means is checking information provided by manufacturers, checking their recall database, um, checking information on the Product Safety Australia website to identify whether or not you actually have an affected inflator. And that's an obligation under the recall notice that's imposed on, on auto recyclers as well.
0: Okay, great. So that leads me to another question that's come through, and that is um, what happens if they don't? So what what is the risk to an automotive? It, it may be a, a simple question to answer, but you know we need to answer it because a lot of people, a lot of recyclers aren't really focused on recalls because they haven't been over the years, right? Um, so what happens if a recycler sells a recall component or is it illegal to do so? What are the ramifications? What are their responsibilities?
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm happy to answer that. And perhaps the next question I'll I'll pass to Glenn. Um. In terms of um, selling an affected Takata airbag inflator as a spare part, that that would be a contravention of the recall notice. Um, Really, I mean, the biggest risk is obviously to consumers. Um, If that inflator misdeploys, there's a risk of a fatality or serious injury. Um, There have been um, 30 reported deaths and over 330 injuries as associated with misdeploying inflators. We, um, we know that there has been one death and one serious injury in Australia and more recently some reported injuries in Australia. We're also aware of at least one death that um, has occurred in relation to an inflator that was um, installed in a vehicle to repair it after a collision. So the risk there is that um, a consumer who might be um, looking at their, their vehicle and checking their um, recall notices might be unaware that they have an inflator Installed in their vehicle, which might have been sold as a spare part, um, and then, you know that's the the biggest risk, the risk to um, to people's safety. And then, um, in terms of contraventions of the recall notice, there's obviously uh, the potential for um, co- further compliance and enforcement action, which um, you know it might might be something. Um, it, as simple as making sure that you've got systems in place to comply with your obligations, or it might extend to um, fines, infringement notices, um, enforceable undertakings, or civil um, penalties.
0: Okay, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the um, some of the uh, compliance work that's been happening in the background, some questions that are coming uh, through on that. But the uh, while we're on that topic of um the you know the recall notice finishing you're talking there specifically about Takata right that's the recall notice we're talking about and that there could be you know um, challenges or issues for recyclers that aren't adhering by the recall <coughs> excuse me notice but what about other recalls what about non Takata recalls um, from a uh, a legal perspective where do they stand with those it may be a control arm that you know has been identified as having a weld that doesn't stick properly or whatever the right terminology is there, and it could break. Um, what, what are their obligations with regard to non-TACADA records? Are they the same or are they different? Uh, I'll take
1: this one. Thanks, Chris. Um, look, uh, I believe, and Natalie might correct me if I'm incorrect here, but I believe it is, uh, is an a, a offence to supply a recalled product under the Australian Consumer Law. Um, the difference, basically, um, as Natalie was explaining mm-hmm. earlier, between um, the compulsory recall and existing recalls is exactly as Natalie described. Um, the, the Minister imposed this compulsory recall on Takata airbags given the safety hazard and the fact that um, not all manufacturers were voluntarily recalling the product. Um, so hence the reason why compulsory recall comes in with associated penalties for supply of those, of those products. The voluntary um, recall um, regime... Um, Applies where um, manufacturers take exactly that voluntary action to recall product So they have identified a hazard with their product and to correct the failure or to correct the hazard To remedy the hazard they have issued what's known as a voluntary recall And that is to notify the Minister of the hazard and the action that the manufacturer intends to take to remedy it So in the case of motor vehicle parts, it's generally a manufacturer will identify a problem with the product with the vehicle and more times than not, um, when they notify of the a voluntary call, it's handled or um, addressed in the warranty and servicing period. So the, the issues are usually identified in that um, early stage, so within five years, of, um, don't quote me on that, but within that uh, early stage of the warranty period, that, and the vehicle um, hazards are generally addressed in that time. But it does um, occur um, occasionally where um, hazards are identified post that warranty uh, period. and uh, manufacturers will issue those voluntary recalls. Um, and yes, it is an offence to to supply a recalled product under the Act. Um, unless, uh, Natalie, that's incorrect, I don't know whether you'd have any information on hand, but uh, I believe that's the case.
0: Yep, I think uh, silence is approval there. It sounds like we're, we're on the right money there, so great. Um, okay, another question that's come through quite consistently is, Um, obviously manufacturers have to date been um, compensating, remunerating, whatever you want to call it, um, the automotive recyclers for their time and effort to identify, find, dig out, whatever the case is, and send back these airbags. Does that stop at the end of December? Um, Or does that continue? Or is that totally a discussion uh, that is up to the, the manufacturer and the recycler?
2: Yeah. Look, I mean, it. it um, the recall notice doesn't make a provision for compensation, um, so a, a supplier can meet some of their obligations by using an authorised representative. And we understand that some authorised representatives offer a fee or compensation for, for locating the inflator. So. Um, the ACCC's role is is not to um, approve or endorse any of those arrangements. They're really um, a matter for individual manufacturers and authorised representatives.
0: Okay, that's good. That, that clears a that up.
2: matter for them. Sorry.
0: Sorry, that, sorry. I was going to say, sorry, I interrupted. That clears that up because there has been a lot of a lot of the recyclers calling us have been saying, so we need to get this done before December. Otherwise, you know, we're not going to get paid for all our time and effort. And I'm saying, well, Possibly, I'm not sure, but ultimately that's going to be something that the manufacturer will need to need to uh, deal with. Okay, um, another question has come through uh, before we move on beyond December, but how will vehicle manufacturers be measured on December 31? And also how will we as automotive recyclers, if I can put a recycler hat on, how will automotive recyclers be measured? What does success look like, in other words, at December 31? i will happy to go
1: first with this one, Natalie, and you might um, you might uh, jump in at the end because this is a very, um, there's a number of ways in which we can answer this question and um, if uh, I may not cover everything, so that'll be an opportunity, Natalie, for you to come in at the end, but um, I can answer that question uh, in many ways. Essentially, um, the notice requires um, manufacturers to, um, to complete or uh, account for 100% of uh, the inflators by December 31st of this year. Um, Successful look like uh, exactly that. Whether uh, manufacturers are able to account for 100% of their of their inflators, I mean, they're on track now. Um, I don't know what it's going to look like in the next uh, eight weeks, um, but they are are on track to account for those 100%. Um, so essentially, that's where um, success lies for um, manufacturers uh, for um, for auto recyclers. Well, as Natalie said before, um, uh, you know. There's ongoing obligations post December 31 to, if you identify, to take certain actions um, and use best endeavors to identify and to take certain actions when you do identify that you have a, a, an affected Takata inflator. Um, uh, I saw um, we were discussing in recent times, Chris, uh, the fact that um, the uh, state and territories, in conjunction with the ACCC, were conducting um, surveillance activities on, uh, on, um, on um, auto recyclers. Um, you know that uh, that's that 's been impacted uh, somewhat by um, COVID. Um, but uh, some state and territories may and the agencyc for that matter may choose to continue to conduct um, uh, surveillance activities on the industry to identify these uh, whether there are any inflators uh, still remaining given the hazard that uh, that uh, that they present to uh, to drivers. Um, I might pause there to see if natalie 's got anything else that uh, that you'd like to add.
2: Oh, thanks, Glenn. Oh, look, I mean, I think you've you've covered it. I, the only thing I would just add to clarify is that um, suppliers need to submit their reports for 31 December 2020 in mid January 2021. So um, we'll have a clear idea in terms of um, whether or not those targets have been met. But obviously, our ultimate goal in terms of success is having 100% of those inflators, um off roads, off vehicles that are um, on the roads and otherwise accounted for and destroyed because that's ultimately um, the risk that we're trying to address for consumers.
0: Yeah, and, and for clarity's sake here, when you say suppliers, you mean vehicle manufacturers, yeah?
2: Correct, yeah.
0: Not, not automotive recycler suppliers. When when the ACCC talks of suppliers in this context, it is about vehicle manufacturers, so don't be alarmed on that one. Um, we've got a question here from Nathan Groves, MTA, S-A-N-T, a broader question regarding section 6.3 of the notice about replacing ATAIs with a other ATAIs. Are there many of those still to replace? Is there a plan post December 31, 2020, or is it expected that they will be replaced prior? Len, can I hand that one to you? Sure, thanks, Chris, and hi, Nathan.
1: Um, thanks for the question. Uh, essentially, no, they must be replaced by the end date. Um, they they Suppliers, manufacturers were able to replace um, affected Takata airbags with the same Takata affected airbags given that the hazard doesn't present, basically your clock starts at zero and it doesn't present for six years from the time that it's installed. That's what the that's what the research tells us. So, manufacturers were able to replace with what was known as like-for-like like, um, up until a certain time. I believe from memory it was um, up until the end of last year. Um, but those inflators must be replaced 4th,
0: December 31 this year. OK, thanks for that question, Nathan. Appreciate it. Any more questions, everyone, please don't feel shy, whether it's on Facebook or on um, on the Zoom feed, please feel free to send questions through. Chad, you're monitoring questions potentially coming through on Facebook, hopefully. Yeah. Um, excellent. So, uh, 2020 has been a difficult, so this is an interesting question that's come through. It's been a difficult year with lots of business losing resources, having to downsize or even close, especially in Victoria. Is there any chance that you will be extending the end date? Um,
2: I'm happy uh, to answer that. Thanks. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and you can jump in, Glenn. Um if I don't cover anything. Um, Essentially, under the recall notice, uh, vehicle manufacturers can apply to extend the date for completion. Uh, they, They need to provide reasons. And the ACCC has regard to a number of factors uh, when determining that. So um, we take into account the safety risk, the steps taken by the manufacturer to facilitate replacement, whether they've notified consumers and um, what what has been done to address the safety risk, which is our key concern. We do recognise the impact of COVID-19 and we've been um, closely uh, liaising with uh, manufacturers to understand the impact and also understand particularly the impact for consumers. So uh, if we do receive an application, we'll consider that having regard to all of the circumstances. Glenn, was there anything that you wanted to add?
1: Um, That's that's a great summary, Natalie. I think I'd just add that um, at this point, uh, there is no uh, intention to extend the recall notice. Um, And that's noting that there are ongoing obligations. Even though the recall notice ends, uh, there are still, as Natalie pointed out uh, in her introduction, uh, or response to the first question, there are, ongoing obligations for all of industry when a ATAI is identified in the marketplace.
0: Okay, great. Actually, following on from Nathan's question before, I think one of the questions within the question was, how many are still out there? There's different sort of numbers being thrown around. Do we know how many ATAIs have yet to be accounted for? Um, I...
1: I don't have the latest figures on me, Natalie, you might, uh, you'd be more familiar with where we're at, but um, essentially, I think um, we're under 100,000 um, ATIs to be accounted for. Um, uh, uh, is that about right, Natalie, from from your memory? Yeah,
2: it's, yeah, that's right. It's around 90,000.
0: Yeah. And does that include the ones uh that potentially have been put on that five three notice so vehicles that have been deregistered for more than two years for example or would that increase the number from sub 100 to whatever and if so what would that number look like
2: Look, we've got um, detailed, we re- recently issued a media release and published the latest stats on the Product Safety Australia website, um, and we've got detailed stats about that. If you included deemed replacement um, uh, vehicles, the, the number would be larger. What we've focused on, um, and so we've got a breakdown of that on the website about the particular stats. Um What we've focused on, particularly for the 90,000 and those that we think are actually actively on the road um, and we really urgently want to um, have consumers action those replacements. For those other categories, yes, the the number is higher um, and really what's important, I think, for auto recyclers is to to recognise that there is that potential for those ones that were in a deemed compliance um, Application to re-enter the market, and so that's really what we want to stop. So we'd like um, a text to be carried out, um, which is a requirement under the recall notice, to, and so that manufacturers can be notified. One of the things that manufacturers are required to do is identify that consumer, and so in certain circumstances, they um, they follow um, their communication obligations, but um, reach a particular point where they can't identify the consumer. So if it's possible that it's in an auto recyclers business, we really want to, to have that action and have them notify um, the manufacturer so that they can account for those ones.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So, compliance officers, so sorry, I'm, I'm reading off my little question sheet here that everyone's been sending me through, so apologies if my eyes are getting down a little bit at times. Um so uh we've heard that there are compliance officers, and Glenn, you, you touched on it before, from fair trading, visiting auto recyclers to check if there they have a recall process in place. One, is this true? Two, what happens if I uh do not have a recall process in place? Do I get a chance to fix the issue? Will I be fined on the spot? Etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: Okay, thanks, Chris. Um uh, look, um, there's a number of ways I've got about answering this, so I'll try and be as direct as I can. <laughs> in terms of the joint operation, that is the ACCC and States and Territory operation that um, we've undertaken in terms of the surveillance, uh, uh, surveillance um, operation, the aim of that was uh, essentially, as you said, to identify um, whether recycle, auto recyclers had a process in place to um, first identify and to action any ATAIs that may, they may have in stock or that they may come across. Um, ultimately, the, um, the breach of the notice is supply of that, um, of an inflator, so that's essentially what the surveillance operation was, uh, was, uh, was identifying. Um, then we get into the issue of um, the ongoing uh, obligations and the ongoing potential penalties. Well, it's up to each individual state and territory agency as to what action they might take. They have a range of tools like the HCC as to how they might handle um, a breach of the notice. Um, so they might include you know um, undertakings um, uh, on the spot fines um, Each agency has their own enforcement regime and they they do differ from each other so um, if you're in queensland and or Victoria you know um, the state and territory agencies have their, their powers would differ essentially so I couldn't give you an exact answer as to what um, the likely uh, outcome would be but I think I'd answer the question by saying certain territories have that range of powers uh, to address uh, breaches of the notice and their own um, their own uh, legislation. Uh, Natalie, anything anything further to add to that? Oh,
2: thanks, Glenn. Look, the only thing I'd add is just from the ACCC's perspective um, that we have previously issued infringement notices to businesses that failed to comply with their obligations under the recall notice. And the infringement uh, notice penalty is 12600 per contravention.
0: Okay. So can I be more specific? Have those infringement notices impacted automotive recyclers at all?
2: No. No, um, not the HCCC infringement notices. There have been uh, infringement, penalty infringement notices and undertakings that have been entered into by state and territory ACL regulators with auto, uh, well, with businesses um, that supply secondhand vehicles. I'd need to clarify whether or not there's an auto recycling in there, and I'm happy to come back on that.
0: That'd be great. Just on that, actually, one of the things we spoke about, Natalie, prior to the, the session is potentially having some. Uh, information from the ACCC maybe some links if you've got some that we can post on our website with the recording um, yep. so that if anyone has any questions or isn't sure what the legislation or the, the notice says um, they can click on those links and actually see them right there so um, it'd be great for everyone listening both on Facebook and on Zoom be aware that we will be posting this recording up. Um, We will have a a section there where you can ask questions, but also we may be replaying it as well. But also you'll have some links there from Natalie and Glenn that will be able to sort of help you answer some of those questions yourself as well. Okay. Chad, one of the things that um, obviously you were involved talking with a lot of people from a recourse perspective over time, what um, in the context of you know, the uh, the compliance officers piece and, and recyclers out and about. What did you hear back then? I know we had three or four different people say, look, we had someone call in um, and we didn't have a process. Others called in and they did have a process. Can you sort of add anything to that, Chad? You're on mute just at the minute just to let you know, but um, maybe from an on-the-ground operational perspective looking at recalls. Now, again, this is a, a general discussion about recalls, not about any specific... Business within the recall industry, but what, what did you find with with recyclers out there?
3: Well, it's obvious that none of none of them actually want to sell a, a recalled component at all. At all, they they are intent to, to not sell them. the The issue is identifying the recall at the correct time. You know, you identify, run the check when the vehicle comes in, run the check again before you sell a component to be sure, and and to be sure that you're not selling something that is recalled. And then there's always some confusion as to, as to how to actually report the, the information back to each manufacturer. Uh, different manufacturers are going through different consolidators in order to uh, transfer that information back. And so there's a little bit of confusion there. Uh, but all in all, the desire is to be compliant. Uh, there are several recyclers I have talked to over the last year that uh, have had a recall component come in and have actually sold the, the component prior to it actually ever being recalled. And a lot of those facilities do not keep real accurate records. And so we've, we've run into instances where they know the part's been sold. They don't, all they have is that it was a cash sale, it was sold to somebody that came in and, and bought it. Then the recall occurred after the part was sold. And so that's a, a common, I've heard that come through several, several times. Where well, they know the part was sold, but but uh, it was recalled after the fact. So you know there there are loopholes where the airbags are getting out there in the marketplace with the possibility of them being reused um, without traceability to trace them back to who where they currently are and which vehicle they're currently uh, in.
0: Okay, great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for that, Chad. Um, we. Um we were interviewed uh, probably about two months ago now on a Channel 9 news session about this whole piece and that loophole that sits there at the minute. Uh, no one's fault, it's just the, the reality of the matter, and that is that often uh, parts are being sold, and it's not just the cataractics, let's face it, it's, it's a, a variety of different product types. And from a recycler recycling industry perspective, a lot would say, well, let's not say anything about that because you know then it exposes a, a gap, an issue. Um, my view is we need to tackle this head on. And that is that sometimes an automotive recycler or any supply of, of, of spare parts could in fact sell a recall component and be unaware of having, being, you know, selling a recall component. Um, so that is something that certainly we're very passionate about. We want to try and deal with that issue. We're working closely with a number of the different manufacturers at the moment to do that, to identify those, in this case, airbags that have been sold um, and try and provide as much information back to uh, the manufacturers as possible with the authority of the, of the seller, of course, of that part. So it leads me sort of, I suppose, into the next next piece, which is, you know, recalls can happen after the fact. Um, and we, uh, I'm just reading the question here, and we may have sold uh, a part. Uh, what are our obligations with these parts, seeing we did not know that they were recalled at the time of sale? One. Do we need to tell the buyer about them? So, Glenn, for example, I might have sold you an airbag uh, 10 years ago. There was no recall back then. Now, um, assuming I now know that that airbag was recalled, do I need to reach out to you and tell you as uh, the part seller? Okay, thanks, Chris. Well,
1: there's a there's a technical a technicality in here. I mean, I'm not going to speak to... Um, uh, good business practice, or I might just address it and say, yeah, you know, it might be good business practice if you were aware to contact the consumer, yeah. um, but essentially um, the recall laws uh, aren't retrospective. So if you've sold something in the past um, that uh, the, when the recall didn't apply, then there is um, technically no obligation for you to to inform that consumer. But, again, good business practices, you might choose to, to do exactly that, especially if it's a safety, a serious safety hazard uh, is, uh, is concerned.
0: So it's not, even though I know that that airbag is a serious safety concern and I've sold it to you, I may not be technically required to actually contact you unless it was good business practice that actually drove me to do that.
1: Yeah, so when we're talking specifically about the compulsory recall, the compulsory recall was signed by the minister and came into operation from the 2nd of March, uh, 19, uh, 2018. Um, and uh, so from that date, it was, uh, it was an offence uh, to supply. If you sold it in the January or the December of the 2017, there was uh, no obligation for a supplier or a <clears throat> auto recycler to take any action at all.
0: Okay, and that may answer the next question, which was, do we, as in an automotive recycler, need to report these ones that we've sold to the vehicle manufacturers that, so that the vehicle manufacturers know that the airbag from donor vehicle X has been sold to customer Y uh, because ultimately customer Y may have a VIN that is not affected by that actual recall. So now they've got a, an infected or a bad airbag, a dangerous airbag, or any recall part for that matter, on a non-effective VIN number so they, they're driving around not knowing there could be you know this this uh, that dangerous part of the camp.
1: Okay, um, I'll have a first crack at this, uh, Chris, and Natalie will no doubt um, uh, um, correct any uh, technicalities that I may have uh, got incorrect. But essentially, the obligations are on the manufacturers to account for those VINS. So um, the manufacturers need to account for those VINS um, and do so by any means. Uh, the, the the obligations on the auto recyclers are not to supply. Um, so there's no. Uh, reporting requirement uh, on manufacturers oh, sorry on auto recyclers under the notice um, so manufacturers will need again going back to the point of uh, accounting for hundred percent to take any um, any reasonable action um, and uh, in association and discussions with auto recyclers to get those numbers now natalie will probably uh, clean that up a bit um, in terms of uh, um, uh, clarifications but um, natalie anything else that you'd like to add to that
2: Thanks, Glenn. Just to clarify, um, there's still an obligation to check for those spare parts. Um, So if those spare parts are in the auto recycler's possession power or control, that's when you know they need to there needs to be that check and to notify manufacturers. And Glenn's right in terms of the um when that obligation applies under the recall notice. So if um, vehicles have been sold before the recall notice came into effect and before those obligations arose, there isn't that obligation under the recall notice. But it may be that auto recyclers are liaising either directly with suppliers or with their authorized representatives and um, the purpose of that is to account for all those outstanding inflators so if you actually know that the um, inflator was supplied to a consumer you might um, share that information with the manufacturer if you have permission to disclose the buyers details um, or otherwise contact um, that that purchaser and let them know Um, that's not that part is not an obligation under the notice um, but it may be something that you consider doing given the safety risk. Um, the, you know, the obligation applies if the vehicle um, or the spare part um, was was supplied during the time of the recall notice. But before that, uh, obviously, it's a matter for individual auto recyclers.
0: Sure. Okay. Great. Thanks for that. Hopefully, this is clarifying some of those grey areas, guys. I know it's unfortunately, you know, in this type of scenario, whether it's the A C and the guideline in this case, or whether it's uh its legislation in other shapes or form at the end of the day it's very difficult to be totally black and white right so from an 80 perspective we get that this is a a bit of a minefield if you like to to sort of navigate sometimes and and with so many stakeholders uh looking for answers it it can be challenging but hopefully this is becoming clear for the recycling industry and if i can just summarize a couple of things firstly um there are obligations to the parts seller, in this case the automotive recycler, um, to try and identify recall components and not sell them. Um, Two, if you do sell a recall component there uh, unknowingly, that is before the notice was before a recall was activated, um, there may not be It's not retrospective, potentially, but it may be good business practice for you to actually deal with that and and contact the customer and potentially even let the manufacturer know, although I'm not sure what the privacy challenges are there um, to provide that information, but certainly not for me to to talk to that. Um, So really, it is important that you you stay aware of what parts you have on inventory um, and what can potentially become... Activated at a point in time in the future, so you may have bought the car five years ago. You still have parts. You still have the whole car out there for whatever reason. Um, and all of a sudden, a, a recall is activated on a particular part or parts on that vehicle. You need a mechanism through which to identify that their recall has actually now been activated on that on that vehicle. And it would be good business practice to remove that part from from sale. So hopefully, that's becoming a little bit clearer. Um, Okay, uh, the some of the challenges recyclers have had over the years is, I suppose, and and, and even recently, is accessing as much of that information as possible, um, and you know a lot of a lot of recyclers come back with this point that oh but it's not our part it's not our problem. Um, Ultimately, the the view that I've taken to that, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, is that's true. It was manufactured by the vehicle manufacturer. You didn't manufacture it, but you are now dealing in that part and profiting from the sale of that part. Is that the right approach? Is that the right sort of tack to take to those types of questions? Can you sort of clarify that? Because ultimately, it is about public safety, right? We need to make sure that the consumer, in this case, is not put in a position of danger, and we want to make sure that they're, they're kept safe. So, is that the right approach to be taking with that, or can you help with with a response on that one, please? I, I think that's right, Chris. Like um, uh, the whilst, yes, it was the
1: suppliers and manufacturers who put these parts in the vehicles. Um, with uh, without any um, uh, whilst the, the, the airbags um, complied with all the uh, all the um, regulatory um, requirements at the time, this hazard has um, occurred over time um, and. Um, the manufacturers uh, couldn't foresee this issue arising. Um, Again, yes, so it's all all on the manufacturers uh, essentially. But the hazard and the safety risks um, associated with these uh, products um, mean that everyone in the industry uh, has a role to play in removing this hazard uh, from the marketplace. And the notice, as uh, Natalie pointed out again, does um, put obligations on, in particular, the auto recyclers and throughout all of industry to identify and remove these products from the marketplace. So, in a nutshell, Chris, yes, I think um, your explanation uh, to, to, the, to the issue is, is correct, yes.
0: Okay, and um, what about what about the scenario where, um, and I've had, you know, online is becoming a bigger, bigger part of everyone's business. So obviously, COVID has for, forced a lot of people to go online and sell product online. Um, we've heard that there have been some fines dished out to different online platforms. remain nameless at this point in time um, because they were facilitating the trade of vehicles, I think it might have been, or parts that had been recalled. Um, can you sort of add anything to that? I mean, what are the obligations to online platforms, uh, whichever they are, um, where they take inventory from, Third parties, uh, automotive recyclers, and the recyclers their
2: product on that platform.
0: It's What are the obligations on the platforms at this stage, for clarity's sake?
2: Uh, i can I can answer that um just in terms of the example that I think uh you're speaking about chris and um there's a media release which sets out the details of the circumstances, for that particular issue it related to um, advertising vehicles that were subject to active recall on on behalf of a business um and so that's that particular aspect. I mean, certainly for um, auto recyclers, because it is a contravention of the recall notice to sell spare parts, um, airbags that are affected by the compulsory recall notice should not be being advertised for sale or being sold.
0: Okay. So it, it falls back on the recycle, on the seller in that case, right, not to be advertising. Using that medium, that platform, um, they shouldn't be posting those affected Components on that platform, or any platform for that matter.
2: Correct, yeah, correct. Um, and we're doing some work with some um, other online platforms uh, to um, to make sure that there's clear messaging for consumers about the risk associated with um, affected Takata airbag inflators, the fact that um, it's they're not permitted to be sold, but also steps to make sure that um, businesses are not advertising those. Um, those airbags for sale on those platforms as well.
0: Sure, what do recyclers do if they, because I, get, I often get emails and, and questions from different people and they're always asking, Chris, look at this seller here, they've got X amount of airbags, or whatever the case is, um, online for sale. What should the recyclers do about that situation?
1: Sorry, Chris. So uh, you're saying that they've identified um, what could potentially be non-compliance? Is that right? Yeah.
0: Okay. yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> that's what we're here for. I mean, um, if uh, if if a supplier feels comfortable, um, or sorry, a recycler or any any um, supplier uh, feels comfortable reporting that to the HBC, um, they can um, details can remain confidential, but we'd be more than happy to um, to to receive information along those lines. Um, um, again. We are doing our own surveillance activities, um, but uh, if there's something that's um, gotten under the radar, then we'd be more than happy to receive a a complaint and and information in relation to potential non-compliance.
0: Okay, excellent. All right, thank you for that. So we've talked uh, fairly extensively about Takata. Hopefully we've answered. I've I've gone through the majority of the questions, if not all the questions in one way, shape or form, that have come through to us. Um, And thank you to everyone that's been contacting us with those questions. more recently, um, let's uh, move a little bit more broadly beyond Takata for a minute, if that's okay, because all the, you know, even the last question that we had around you know, advertising uh, Takata affected components on uh, on online platforms, that, you know, is a challenge, is, is, is wrong. Um, what about other recall components? Again, I know we've touched them, but our focus is very much on Takata. So sometimes the other recall components can sort of for uh, sort of be assumed that they're not as important. My view is that all recall components are safety related, you know, recalls. And as a result, they're all important. Obviously some are, you know, more serious than others, such as the Takata recall. um, And that's why you've taken such a strong stance on that. But what about other recall components that could be advertised or could be sold does everything that you've said still matter uh, for all those other recall components? It's just that the Takata recall has this focus on it at this point in time. Is it all still relevant?
1: Yeah. Sorry, you
2: go.
1: You go. <laughs> no, I was just going to just confirm exactly that, Chris. Um, yeah, they are all all safety related and they are all important. Obviously, this particular recall required. Uh, a, a, a more um, direct approach, uh, given the, the safety, uh, the nature of the of the hazard, um, and the fact that uh, not all manufacturers were recalling, so it required that approach. But um, just generally speaking, yes, um, you know, uh, uh, the same approach should be applied, um, even though, uh, yeah, it should be applied by recyclers um, to recall products. Uh, Natalie, anything else to add?
2: Uh, thanks, Glenn. Look, the only thing I'd add to that is just that the Product Safety Australia website sets out uh, for each uh, voluntary recall as well, um, the specific risk associated with that recall and what should be done. So you can, um, you know, it depends on the individual circumstances. So obviously we've gone into a lot of detail about the Takata compulsory recall because there's specific obligations there, but you can you can look at the Product Safety Australia website for the individual Recalls for, for details about the safety risk associated with those because it, it varies.
0: Excellent. And for everyone that's listening in, uh, I think it's productsafety.gov.au. Yep. Correct. So we, we can we details after the, this. Right, yep, we'll put it on that link as well. So people really need to be more and more aware of what's happening at this. So please do look at these resources that are going to be made available through the website. Um, okay. Chad recalls, you're you, the former um, ARA president in the US, and I'm just going to digress a little bit to the US for a second and come back. Not that it affects the a C, so I'm not suggesting anything here that there's any relationship. But, Chad, um, recalls in the US have been uh, a challenge over the years. Obviously, the Takata recall has the same sort of impact over there. Um, and there's, I'm not sure that it's a compulsory recall, but certainly the, the automotive recycling industry has been very focused on it. ARA, the Auto Recyclers Association, over in the US has been quite uh, vocal in this area over the years. Um, tell us a little bit about how our reaction or our response to the Carter and how equal, better, more robust, less robust it has been to that in the US. What are the comparisons?
3: Uh, I think the Australians are actually a little ahead of the Americans uh, when it comes to the Takata recalls. Um, With so many manufacturers engaging and compensating the recyclers for the information or actually reclaiming the uh, affected uh, Takata inflators uh, for for them to be destroyed, uh, it is happening in the U.S. but not on the level that it's happening in Australia. And so I, I, I've got to you. You got to put a feather in your hat. You're really doing a good job in the Australian market, uh, reclaiming and uh, and with the the goals of December 31st and 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 so and pushing so hard. It, in my opinion, uh, the Australian uh, market is doing a, a better job than what the U.S. market's doing.
0: Interesting. Well, that's that's good news to the ADRP Well done. <laughs> um, Okay, now, moving on to, I know there's been a lot of talk and you may not be able to comment on it, but I'll ask the question anyway because it is one of the, one of the comments that's been coming through over the past week and a half, and that is the alleged issue with Takata seatbelts that um, we've been made aware of. Do you have any information on that? Does the ACCC look to get information on that or is that all basically going to stem from manufacturers a lot of recyclers obviously have dealt with um, thousands of vehicles, if not millions of vehicles, over the past twenty years um, that may have had these seatbelts in them. What is um, what is your view on on where that's at? And can you talk about it, basically? Uh,
1: thanks, Chris. Uh, not really one for us, even though the manufacturers oh, um, would would put a recall uh, notify our minister. It is. This issue is actively being looked at by the Department of Infrastructure um, under their um, vehicle regime, essentially. Uh, So they're looking into this one and uh, we're awaiting um, information from them to uh, to identify the nature of any hazard um, uh, associated with uh, with the Australian market.
0: Okay, excellent. Thank you. So I think to be really clear with everyone, and and a recall has not been activated on that yet. There is a lot of talk about it. There's a lot of talk about it being even bigger than Takata airbag recall um but we don't know if it will be activated if it actually is an issue so stay tuned though i think you know sometimes when there's smokeless there's fire so let's let's have a look and, and see what that looks like we've got a couple more questions before we finish up um nathan gross from mtasant again on the product safety website there are many recalls in automotive every day it's very cumbersome for recyclers and dealers to keep on top of every part or vehicle that comes into their, their possession Is there any scope to provide a user-friendly lookup function like OEMs have provided with VIN lookups for takata affected vehicles?
1: Um, Not at this stage, uh, Chris and Nathan. Um, And in fact, uh, vehicle recalls will permanently relocate um, from the Product Safety Australia website to the uh, department at some stage in the future, uh, to the department's website. Look, we're, we're always um, happy to, to receive uh, feedback and, uh, and, and and consider different approaches. Um, so I'd be happy to, if if Nathan emails me with um, with a suggestion, we'll, we'll be happy to look at it and review it, definitely.
0: Excellent. I'm just looking at another comment that's come through. Excuse me. No, we're good. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, Some closing comments, if any, from from one or both of you. We'd really welcome sort of a a little bit of a a wrap-up, what this all looks like, what it means moving forward. We've spoken about a lot of areas, um, so we'd be interested in hearing just some closing comments from you. Might hand over to Natalie
1: for closing comments. Sure.
2: Okay. Thanks, Glenn. Um, look, I mean, really from our perspective for auto recyclers, you play a really critical role in relation to um, addressing this safety risk that could um, you know, potentially lead to a fatality or injury. So um, it's really important that you that you check your stock um, and that you uh, determine check the information about recalls to determine whether or not you've got an affected inflator. And if you have your obligation is to notify the manufacturer, and that's it. You have complied with your obligations. Um, so, um, you know, I, I appreciate that it, it might involve um, quite a bit, but um, the the risk to consumers is so great that, um, and and that's why the compulsory recall notice exists. So, we ask you to um, check your stock, um, notify the manufacturer, so they can get those inflators. Um, off-roads and um, not being installed in cars. We can provide um, additional materials if you um, want to read further about it. And we are also um, open to responding to questions as well after this, thanks.
0: Excellent, thanks So On that point though, um, how do people contact you? Is there a general email to get in contact with you? Do you want them to contact you through, through our website? Do you want to provide your details? I'm happy to provide those if people ask them, but only if that's how you want um, to...
2: Help. Well, we can provide details of the of the um, ACCC contacts that you can um, contact us. We have an info centre that can respond to straightforward queries. If it's something more complex, then it will be referred to to the Carter compulsory Recall Team.
0: Excellent. Okay, so if you can just give us those general sort of uh, contacts the details that would be great and that way we can um, forward it to, to the group that's on this call. Um, Chad closing comments from your perspective?
3: I, I, I believe that the recyclers are doing a, a good job um, attempting to uh, to be compliant in everything they're doing. Um, I believe that manufacturers have gone above and beyond uh, their call of duty to, to do their part to help uh, remove these affected uh, Takata inflators from the market and to uh, actually identify and find um, potential owners of affected airbags that have been, been actually resold prior to the recall. And so uh, I just it amazes me how serious the manufacturers have taken this and they are so active in pursuing it. I'm on the, on the call and dealing with the manufacturers on a regular basis and, and they are over the top serious about this. This is as serious as it gets with, with every one of them. And uh, they're demanding reports from us on a weekly basis as to what we're doing to help them uh, find their find these bags. And uh, I, I'm just, it, it blows me away, and it just really does.
0: So. Excellent, thanks Chad. I think that's important. You know, a lot of people, you know, often overlook what's involved um, and overlook what, manufacturers are doing about this and, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's a generalization, but generally speaking, most manufacturers are doing an amazing job, right? And they're, they're doing everything possible and we're working with a number of those to, to support them in that. Um, I think, uh, in closing, I want to just reiterate a few things, um, to Nathan's point earlier about the product safety website and, you know, a, a mechanism through which, um, automotive recyclers can deal with recalls properly, critical. Um, One of the biggest challenges being an automotive recycler by trade myself over the years um, is being able to do it in an effective and efficient way. Um, And like we all know, if we can make it effective and efficient, we'll do it. If it's not efficient, then it's going to be really hard for us to do or very expensive to do or inaccurate. So we need a way to deal with that. We need to make sure that we think about recalls more holistically. It's not just about Takata airbags. It's not just about one or the other. It's about recalls. And as an industry, if we develop processes that will help us deal with recalls full stop, um, then we deal with the Takata recalls and whatever other recall can happen. So that's that's a critical part. And I think it's a mindset change. Uh, you know, we've got 70 or 80 odd people uh, on this call between... Um, Zoom and and um, Facebook. We expect to get over a thousand views in the next three or four days, um, as we have over time. Um, but there's so many others out there that aren't doing what they need to be doing. They're not listening to this discussion. They haven't been to other sessions that they should be at to sort of understand what's happening. So we need to keep on spreading that word to the industry because it's in everyone's interest. On this call from the automotive recycling fraternity from the MTAs we've got the MTAs on um, which is great to have you guys on Um, we've got recyclers we've got UK recyclers on we've got US recyclers on this call Um, what the point here is that as an industry automotive recyclers need to get better at what they do and we need to make sure that uh, the product that we trade in the product that we sell automotive recyclers sell um, is vetted for recall so the consumer is kept safe at every point in time and, and that means looking at your historic inventory. It means that looking at the inventory that's going to be coming in on a daily basis. But it also means understanding or having a, a capability that will alert you to an issue moving forward. If a, car, if a car that you've managed five years ago is recalled in five years time. So um, lots of challenges there, lots of opportunities. If I can close by uh, thanking both Natalie and Glenn from the ACCC. I know you guys are flat out at this point in time with six weeks or so out from the end of this, so I can imagine you've got plenty on. Uh, Thank you very much for attending. Thank you very much for answering the questions as openly and honestly as you can. Um, And um, we really do appreciate it on behalf of the industry, more generally, the information that you've given. So thank you.
2: Thanks
0: very much. Thanks for your time. Everyone attending, thank you very much. Appreciate you being on both Facebook and Zoom. Uh, please share the videos when you when you get access to them in the next 24 hours on the website. Share them with the industry. Get them talking about this issue. Get them thinking about the issue of recalls because it is critical. It's critical to your children and our children as they're driving cars. We don't want them out in vehicles that have affected, to, uh, not only to, to airbags, but affected recalls, uh, active recalls on them. We want to keep the consumer safe and it's in our industry's interest to get that right Uh, so that people feel more and more confident in buying our products. So thank you again. Thanks for joining. Appreciate your attendance, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks again. Bye-bye.